everybody, welcome back. My name is Corey. I am back here in the studio with Wonder Woman herself, Mallory, and she's going to open up, talk a little bit about her story, and it's going to be awesome. Tune in. Everybody, welcome back to Step Up to the Mic. My name is Corey Scally. Um, I'm so excited um, to be in the studio again recording. There was a, there was a period of time I, I was kind of taking some time off, um, but I'm we're back and um, so much to talk about. First of all, Ezekiel Project, Ezekiel Project, check them out. New Philadelphia, Ohio. They are community creators, partnerships people, four pillars of what they do. Uh, Rick Arredondo is the uh, founder of Ezekiel Project, and there's so many people. People like Jesse Wilson, people like Todd Hicksonball, so many different kind of creative minds that are taking this organization and helping people um, impact their communities, become creators of their art, partnering with people, and I, I kind of use partnerships and people together in that one. So, um, so they're doing so much. So you got to check them out. Google Zico Project. Uh, also, um, we're here at um, Zico Project, and step up to the mic. You know what our slogan is? Passionate people, passionate conversations. One of my favorite things to do on this podcast. I don't know if you've had the chance to listen to different stories. Um, I am a sucker. I don't know if you're like me. I'm kind of a sucker for people who have incredible God, only Jesus can do that stories. Um, Whether they've been in messes or whether they've been in the depths of some kind of crazy, um, Jesus has pulled them out of that and redeemed them and, and, and has saved them in such a way that, that, you can only look at that story and go, that was God. And so today, I'm sitting across the table from Wonder Woman herself. She She's back, ladies and gentlemen. Mallory. What's up? What's up? Let's do this, right? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> um, and if you haven't listened to her recent episode, um, episode, episode 15, Wonder Woman hashtag fight my fight, Mallory just opened up and talked a lot about her weight loss journey, and it was just amazing. You've, you've gotten some feedback on people just calling you and saying, uh, when you said this or when you said that, like it really touched my heart that you said this or that, and I, I, I could relate. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Power of Jesus. And so, yeah, amen. And so you have an incredible story. And, and let's just be honest, you're a little nervous right now, right? I am. I know, I know, I know you got an incredible story. Um, in fact, I think a lot of people, let's just get this, let's just take care of this right away, Mel. Okay. A lot of people are going to hear this story and go, that ain't true. Yeah, I get that a lot. No, yeah. no, she's exaggerating. Um, and I would tell them to check your facts, um, be quiet, this ain't your story, that's what I say to them, um, and I'm sitting across the table from a woman who loves Jesus, loves people, and, and really, um, if it wasn't for the grace of God, wouldn't be here right now, in a a lot of different ways, and so, um, but you, Matt, you have an incredible story, and I think God is going to use this episode for you to pass off to people. And tell people when they're in when they're in dark, hard spots, and for you to to let them know not just about your story, obviously, but about how God is so good, um, and, how, and what He's done in your life. And so, yeah. so let's just do some foundational stuff real fast okay. to get the ball rolling. Okay, so so you're 
So here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Here. No. <laughs> Deep breath. <laughs> and here's an ad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe one day. But um, so you're you're you grew up. Where were you born? In Dover. In Dover, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Why yeah. did I think you were born in Amish country? Well, I I mean, I was born in Dover. Okay. I lived is... in Baltic. Oh, okay, that's right. Okay, okay. So you're born in Dover. Um, first, are you siblings? What siblings? Yeah, I have a brother. He is 23. Okay. Now. So, okay. yeah, it was just me and my brother, and we had lots of animals growing up, too. Right. Younger and brother. Yeah. Younger. So younger. you're the oldest. Yeah, I'm 27. You're the oldest. That makes um, sense. <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. No, yeah. just the oldest people. If you're the oldest <laughs> in the child, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. I'm the middle child, so I am. I envy you so sometimes. I, ma- <laughs> I want to be heard so much I made a podcast, <laughs> yeah. So, that's all right. Um, uh, and so, uh, by the way, just so everybody's aware. We, we've already talked about this, but I think it's good to say, if there's anything you don't want to talk about, mm. you have the freedom to go, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. And just so everybody here is clear, if she says that, she ain't being rude. She's just being, she, she's being perfectly protective of what she wants to share and what she doesn't want to share. Okay. Yeah. So just, so, just so we're getting that out. Thank you. Out in the air. Yeah. Um, so Dover, you and your brother, mm-hmm. mom and dad. Yep, mom and dad. Mom and dad, growing up in Dover. You, what school did you go to? I went to Garraway. Garraway. So, so you guys have eventually moved out to Baltic. Is that? No. No, no. <laughs> well, you asked where I was born. Right. right so, born. Okay. if you really want tactical, right, were answer. you talking about Dover in the hospital? <laughs> were you, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my gosh. Okay. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so, where did you grow up as a kid? Baltic. Okay. So, yeah. So, talk about Baltic. Oh man. There's not really much to talk about. <laughs> East Main Kitchen is a great restaurant there. Wasn't you know, it uh, wasn't always called East Main Kitchen. It was Miller's Dutch Kitchen. Miller's Dutch Kitchen, okay. And it had amazing Amish food. Really? Okay. Um, mashed potatoes. Their food now is really good, too. I, oh, yes, it is. Everybody go check out East Main Kitchen yeah. in Baltic, Ohio. Eat healthy, though. Eat healthy. Yeah. They actually have really good options. They do. Um, but, yeah, um, Baltic, man, we well, had an ice cream shop. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Called JR's. Yeah. And... Uh, there was two gas stations, hmm. yeah, a bank, right. and a couple stop signs. And so you grew up in the heart of Amish country. Pretty much, yeah. Amish buggies. In and the heart yeah. of Amish country. So if yeah. I just threw this question out, and you can go any direction you want. Okay. What was life like for Mallory growing up in Baltic in the heart of Amish country with your brother, mom and dad? Obviously, you were born in Dover. We get that part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was what was childhood like? Mm. Fundamentals of my childhood were uh, pretty... It was kind of boring. Um, like, just as a kid growing up in such a small town. Um, went to school in Baltic. Um, didn't really have a whole lot of friends in Baltic. Um, my... One cousin, she actually lived right down the street from me, so we hung out a lot. But yeah, socially it was a little hard. <laughs> right. So, right. did you have Amish friends? Um, there was one girl in elementary school. Her name was Melinda. Okay. Uh, she was Amish, and we hung out on the playground. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, um, not really. Okay. Yeah. What was family dynamic like? Um, stressful. To be honest, yeah, stressful. Um, I I really struggle getting along with my parents yeah. um, as a kid, and so 
Oh, man. When I, I always say, like, my life started probably whenever I was five. Interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, like, you got the fundamentals, you got, you know, as a baby and toddler and everything, but my recent memories, or my first memories are from whenever mm. I was five. Mm. And... So from the ages of five to eight, I was sexually abused um, by someone in my family. And I didn't tell anyone for about 15 years. And so, but because of that, um, I developed a habit of lying um, at a very, very young age. Mm. And because of my lying, I, that impacted my family dynamic. I was that child <laughs> who um, caused a lot of problems. Mm. I was very rebellious, um, obviously lied a lot about literally everything. Almost anything that came out of my mouth was a lie up until I was about 19. Okay. Because I met, I met you. Yeah, you met me Grounds, in those years. In that Newgrounds Cafe? Yeah, that yeah. was in uh, 2012. When you, when 2010. Tina and Jill were really, yeah, they were really porn, porn into you. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry. I just, I had a flashback of when I met you. And, yeah, <laughs> that was still. so long ago. You that know, was, that was, was like, like 10 years ago, 10, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. you met me in the midst of that. Um, so when you say lie, like, was it like I'd lie about something little or, I'd, or I would tell a big story that wasn't really true or both, both. both. Gotcha. Um, I don't really know, like, what it was like whenever I was, you know, five, six, seven, eight. Um, but I do remember when, when I was in elementary, middle school years, um, I lied about some big stuff. Um, I remember lying to my softball team uh, that I had cancer. Uh, why? I don't really know. Um, I think it was more of an attention seeking, yeah. wanting to feel loved and cared about by people. Um, and I lied about medical problems. Um, I remember, I think I was in sixth grade, sixth or seventh grade, and I basically lied about having asthma, and I would like fake having asthma attacks and my mom like she she would take me to the doctors and I don't know if they had health insurance then or mm. you know I don't know where they were at financially but I'm sure that that was a lot for them right, right. Um, but because they were my parents they wanted to make sure I was okay and I carried it on and um, it got to the point to where I remember my mom asking the doctor specifically can she fake this and the doctor said no. And, you know, obviously I was fine. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it, it was some deep-rooted deep things. So as a young, as a young kid, you, you learned how to let people think that you were one person when you weren't really. Yeah. yeah. But I can relate. I can't relate to that. I, I sympathize with that. Coming from a life of abuse, I, I guess what I'm... What I'm trying to say right now is when I was a kid, I learned how to people please really well. Yeah. So I would stay out of trouble so everyone liked me. And so I, so I became a people pleaser. And so, yeah. so that's what I can sympathize to, like learning learning destructive habits as a, as a young kid because 
you don't really know how to talk about some of these yeah. traumatic things. Yeah. You know, and um, so. <clears throat> it was, that was my biggest um, thing. And I think for me as a kid, lying was a way for me to protect myself from what was to come. Mm-hmm. And I believed for the longest time that any male in my life, um, including, you know, whether it was my father or my uncle or just some random man (laughs) on the street, you know, I believe that all men were bad and I had a fear of human. I had a fear Mm. of people. And so I would lie and I would, but yet somehow try to seek out their love and seek out their attention and, and I just remember constantly my parents asking me, Mal, why are you lying? Just mm. tell the truth. If you mm. tell, my dad would always say, if you tell the truth, the consequences won't be as bad as what they are if you're lying. You know? And, yeah. Yeah. and I never really understood that concept because mm. I still thought, well, I'm going to get hurt either way. Right. And so <clears throat> that was definitely something that I struggled with. And because of that, like I said earlier, it really caused a huge strain in my family's relationship. Um, My dad and I, we fought all the time because just because of who I was, Um, you know, they, they tried to help me. They tried to take me to counselors and to psychologists and just trying to figure out why I was the way that I was. And I never told a soul. Up until I was 20. Wow. Um, you know, and, and when, when I finally did, uh, I told my mom whenever I was 20 about the abuse that had happened. And, you know, one of the questions was, why, why didn't you say something? You know, right. why, why did you want to keep going back to that place? Why did you, why didn't you say something? And there's just something about trauma as a child. Yeah. And, you know, man, this is, this is hard stuff to talk about. It you is. know, it is hard stuff. Um, only, only talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah, only, no, okay. it's, it's good, you know, because God saved my life. He... He saved me. And so talking about this, I know that I'm not alone. Mm. I know that I, Mm. I know that there are people who are going through this right now that there are. Yeah. And so traumatic things have happened to them as kids and they don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. And so I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But you know, to this day, I don't really know where people stand as far as did this happen? Did this not? Because you know, the question is always, why don't you just say something? Why are we just now hearing about it 15 years later? And I can't really tell you why. I just can't. And I think that's an acceptable answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so, too. And knowing that God knows, right? you know, that's what matters to me. (laughs) And, um, yeah. So, so because of that relationship, um, going into high school, 
my dad and I, again, we just, we fought every single day. Mm -hmm. I was the reason that my family was falling apart, Hmm. it seemed. And, you know, almost every night, like we couldn't go a single day without fighting. And I was usually the one that provoked it. Right. And it was just this, this inner fear, not because of my dad, Mm-hmm. But because of this cognitive distortion that I had, that any adult in my life was out to get me. So as a 20, where did Jesus come in? Is this after? 21. 21. So do you, is there anything else? Could we move forward? Or yeah. You, okay. So so as Jesus comes into your life, what, what is that like? And, and where are you at? And what's happening in your life? Yeah. So I've I've never been in a place where I've not known God. Um, I grew up going to church. Um, I, I believe we started going whenever I was around seven. Um, and we went religiously. Right. Um, every Sunday, every Sunday night, Wednesday nights, you mm. know, I remember people always coming over to my parents' house and they'd have Tupperware parties and then they'd have <laughs> Bible studies, you know, it was yeah. the early 2000s. And so right. um, I, yeah, huh. I think mm, when I was a teenager, I really fell away from the Lord. Um, That was whenever I think I was the most caught in my lying addiction Mm. and in the deceit and manipulation. Um, You know, but I had friends like you brought up Jill and Tina, Mm -hmm. um, my friends from Countryside Chapel at that time, and they really poured into me. that's when Off the Wall started, and yeah, I got involved. Yeah, 2009. Yeah. Um, I think I was like 16 then, mm. 16 or 17, and and uh, they really tried to point me to Christ. <laughs> and mm. I would say, yes, I love Jesus, but then I would go and I would live my life differently mm. up until I was 21. And whenever I was 18, I was a senior in high school. Dad and I got into a little fight, and ended up being homeless (laughs) Um, because of that. And so um, from ages 18 to 23, almost 24, I was homeless. So when you say homeless, do you mean like sleeping on someone's couch? Like I I just want to, I don't want to undermine, I don't want to not address the gravity of what you're talking about. Yeah, no, when I say homeless, I mean homeless. I... Um, there were times where I couch surfed. Yeah. Um, but I definitely stayed in shelters. Um, yeah, I've never, I've only had to sleep at that time. I only had to sleep in my car twice. Um, but yeah, I mean homeless (laughs) and, and you know, I had people around, but yet I didn't at the same time because I drove them away. So this was 18 to... Mm -hmm. 18 to about 23, 24. 23, 24. Where were you, were you in Baltic being homeless? Is this what? Um, yeah, no. Um, so my, I, I grew up in Baltic. I lived there until I was 18. And then my dad was, you know, he's like, this, this has to stop. Yeah. And meaning you have got to get your life together. (laughs) And I left. And so. Um, from there, I went to a church family's house, and I kind of told them, like, what was going on, and they helped me get into the shelter. 
Um, and I was there from January 21st, 2012 is whenever I became homeless. Um, and I was in the shelter for about a month and a half to two months. And I, from there I went and I stayed with, uh, with this girl who I used to go to church with whenever I was a kid. And she's a couple years older than me. And I stayed with her in her apartment. And then I moved in with her parents. Lived there until I graduated. Um, But man, (laughs) I lived at the shelter for a while um, before graduating. And I went to Buckeye Career Center um, at that time. And I just want to say Buckeye, man, they, they were a big part of my life in making sure that I graduated because I definitely wanted to quit school. Um, I was just, I felt like I was on the deep end, was ready to quit school. I was ready to just throw in the towel. I only had like four months left. And as soon as they found out what was going on, they offered showers for me. They let me do my laundry at the school, they made sure, like I, my senior lab teacher <laughs> made sure that I had gas in my car every single week. And, you know, she would bring me food and like they would give me extra food and it was just so loving. Right. And, but yeah, man, I don't even know like where to go from here. No, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I could ask questions. Yeah. Debbie. Yeah. Um, what were some, what were some things you faced being homeless at the, in, in your early early 20s like because I can't even I don't even I think I was gonna say I can't even imagine but I'm like is that an ignorant thing to say I don't know I, I I'm just feeling I'm just feeling what you're saying yeah um can I can I just make a note real fast so I don't forget mm-hmm. um you are taking a lot of ownership and you're not sitting this isn't a bash session you're not over here going this is like Earlier, like even earlier, you said you know you drove people away. Like I, I, I find that very honorable, Mallory. That you're, it, even though it was really painful, like you're, you're still like, but these are the decisions I made. You know what I mean? And so yeah. like, that's incredible. I just, I just want to be honest with you and say that. And I think people need to know that. Like, and so, and that's probably really hard. Cause, yeah. Because at the, at the, on the other hand, there are probably some people that you probably could line up and. Yeah. I have a bash session. Give <laughs> me a whole, yeah. whole other different episode. You know what I mean? This is but, really difficult. But like, even as you're talking yeah. to me, like, like there's tears welling up in your eyes. Like yeah. that's, you know, I say that because no one can see what we're see what we're talking about on video yet. But like, um, yeah. I, so I can see the passion in your in your in your eyes as, you, as you're even talking about your story. And this this is real. This is a real yeah, story. You it's know, real. And it's raw. It's raw. And so, uh, can you talk a little bit about just some what were some things that you faced being being homeless that just you don't have to share anything yeah no no um that's a good question um I would say so one of the most vivid memories that I have is whenever I lived in the shelter I really walked away from God I wanted nothing to do with him because I felt like how can God allow someone to get to such a low point in their life if he truly loved me why am I in the shelter, Hmm. you know, and why doesn't anybody love me? Why doesn't anybody want to help me? Why, why won't people just say, Hey, come live with me? Hmm. 
And it's like, God doesn't care. That was my thought. That was my, that was how I lived, um, my life. And I really fell into a life of just promiscuity and slept around, (laughs) got, went down that road, uh, while I was homeless. And, but again, I, looking back, it was out of desperation to be loved. Right. And, you know, God created us to have people and to have community and to have intimacy. Um, and I'm not just talking sexual intimacy. I'm just talking friendships and relationships. Right. And But I found that in living a life of sexual sin. And um, whenever I was in the shelter, I was sexually abused. Um, by multiple people. And that's something that I don't really talk a lot about. Um, But I experienced that. Um, Cops were called all the time. Violence was a huge thing, not in my life, but seeing that in the people who lived there. Um, And I was like, God, I don't want to live like this. Mm. And, but that cycle kept going. And kept going and kept going. And then I met um, I met my friend Cora. You know Cora? Cora. <laughs> Cora Bird. Shout out to Cora. <laughs> um, so Cora came from Alaska um, to do Off the Wall. And I think 2013 was her first year. And her and I really became good friends. And probably about, I don't know, three, four months after we became friends... I called her one day and I said, Cora, I think God wants me to move. That was my answer for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really believe that. I just wanted a justified reason yeah. to move away and run away from my problems. And before this, I'm jumping all over the place, but before this, I had lived in Georgia. Um, after I graduated high school, I moved to Georgia to be a live-in nanny for 10 kids. I was 18 years old. And wow. <laughs> yeah, 10 kids. And I ended up quitting um, just because of some things going on in the family. And and then from there, I lived with my grandparents for two months after that. And we fought all the time. And so from there, I moved to New York. And I lived there <laughs> for like seven months. And so, yeah, and God brought me back to Ohio. And then I met Cora. And I really want to focus on this part a lot. Um, but I just called Cora and I'm like, I think God wants me to move again. <laughs> and she was like, what do you mean? And I said, I don't know, maybe the next town or maybe another state, China, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> and, but basically it was me saying, get me the hell out of here hmm. because I was homeless. And at that time, um, I was actually pregnant and Nobody knew that, Um, but I had gotten pregnant by someone who I met online, and this man had tossed me a quarter at the end of it, and he's like, thanks for the time. And I knew right away um, that I was pregnant, and man, that was hard. Um, But two weeks before I called Cora, I had a miscarriage. And she didn't know about it, (laughs) but Cora was just like, well, 
I think God's been wanting me to ask you, do you want to move to Alaska? And I, I remember being like, yes, yes, let's go. Hmm. Let's, let's do it. And, um, but that was me wanting to run away, wanting to run away from the pain of being homeless, from losing a child to not having a family, um, to having nothing. And that was kind of like my only solution, I guess, was traveling 4,000 miles away. Um, but little did I know that that was where I was going to find Jesus. Hmm. And that was where Jesus completely wrecked my life <laughs> in a good way, Yeah, in a good way. Um, so from the time she asked me to move to Alaska to the time I was actually in Alaska was five days. And I just... Uh, culture shock. (laughs) Culture shock, for sure. I lived with her family um, and a whole bunch of other people in this big house in the middle of nowhere in (laughs) Kisilof, Alaska. And I had no car. I had no job. I knew nobody. And Cora was only there for three weeks. Mm. And when she left, I, I was so scared. Because it was probably the first time, like out of all of the years, at that point it was about three and a half years of being homeless. And out of all those years, this was probably the first time when I truly looked to the Lord. Because out of desperation, out of help me, I need you. And I love looking at that imagery of Alaska you know when you think of Alaska you think of wilderness you think of like nothing but trees and like forest and woods and not just isolation that's where I was and God it was as if God himself literally picked me up from little New Philly Ohio took me 4,000 miles away and planted me in Kasilov Alaska to depend on him and yeah. So I got a job working at McDonald's. Um, and then from there I was able to get a car and I was at the house for about five months. Um, and then I started working at Solid Rock Bible Camp in Soldatna, um, moved to the camp. And for, so for 12 weeks, I was teaching young girls from the ages of eight to 18, how important it was for them to accept Christ. Mm. And I wasn't really aware of, of how I was living my life for Christ because at that time I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But at the end of those 12 weeks, man, I was sitting in the public library. <laughs> I was reading magazine. Don't know what it was, but I just remember I was sitting by the window reading this magazine and I had this thought, Mallory, you've never accepted me. And I remember being like, Lord, hello. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was so real. It was so real, so evident. And, and I'm like, yes, I have. I have. I Like, you know, as a kid, I was baptized at six. Mm. I grew up going to church, you know. I, I knew Bible stories, and it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> yes, I have. Mm. And he's like, no, you know me, like knowledge, 
but you don't know me heart wise. And I remember calling my friend Jenny and at that time she was discipling me. She was my mentor. And I was like, Jenny, I think I need to accept Jesus. She's like, well, what are you doing on the phone? Get off and go do it. (laughs) And I was like, okay, okay, yeah. I I love that answer, by the way, because most people are just fixers. Right. And she's just like, don't talk to me. Go talk to Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I can't save you. Yeah. Great answer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Jenny Waller. She's great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and, and that whole day, I felt like I could not, I couldn't do it. Because it was the first time when my sin kind of hit me. Like, oh, my whole life has been nothing but a lie. My whole life, I have lived this two-faced, double-sided lie. And it's like, Jesus doesn't want me. Jesus couldn't forgive me. I'm this girl who, you know, lied as a kid, ruined my family, And I was homeless. I slept around like God would not want me. And then I felt like a hypocrite because it's like, I just spent 12 weeks pouring into these girls' lives. Mm -hmm. And yet I wasn't living it for myself. And that, I think that was really hard. Um, But I went back to the camp and I walked into the chapel and on the left side of the chapel, there was this blue couch. It was not there in that fall, like that morning before I left. It wasn't there. But, oh, man, it was calling my name. It was like, Mallory, come sit. (laughs) (laughs) Come sit. (laughs) And I was the only one in the chapel, and I remember sitting down on this couch, and I was scrolling through the phone, and then all of a sudden I chucked my phone across the chapel. Don't know what came over me. (laughs) And I just sat there and I thought about my life and I thought about all the people that I have hurt um, up to that point. And I just sobbed and I just remember sitting there and all I said was, yes, yes. And I knew, I knew that that was my heart crying out to Jesus And I said, Lord, I give it. I surrender my life to you. And, oh, Corey, (laughs) I just remember feeling like this weight was lifted off of me Mm. and feeling like I was no longer that person. I didn't have to live in that life anymore. And this weight was lifted off, and it was as if chains fell to the ground. Did my life change? Like physically, did I, was I not homeless? No, <laughs> like I was still homeless. And, you know, financially, we're, it was still the same. Right. You know, but spiritually, I felt different in that moment. And so now when people ask me, oh, well, when did you get saved? 21. I can tell you the exact day, September 14th, 2014, at 7.42 p.m., Alaska time (laughs) you know like I that was such a pivotal moment in my life and it was the greatest thing to ever happen in my life um yeah 
So I, but you know, I didn't stop sinning. (laughs) There were some things like I still really struggled um, with relationships. I struggled still sexually. Um, I ended up getting into a relationship with this man uh, that I met online. And for about, I don't know, six to eight months or so, we talked Every single day, we talked on the phone, we emailed, we FaceTimed, we, (laughs) I mean, we Skyped, like, we did it all. Every Saturday, I would go to Kaladi Brothers, and I would be there from the time they opened at 8 a.m. until the time they closed at 7 p.m. every Saturday. That was how I spent it. And then as soon as I, as soon as we were done Skyping, we'd call each other and talk on the way home. And it was, it was very unhealthy. (laughs) You're not getting that vibe. (laughs) Um... But I ended up, um, someone had bought me um, a plane ticket to come to Ohio and for three weeks for Christmas. That was their Christmas present to me. And at this point, I haven't seen my family in about two and a half years. Mm. And I was working at a daycare at the time, and my boss was like, I can't give you that much time off. And I said, well, then I quit. Um So I was living in an apartment, in a basement apartment, taking care of this older woman who lived upstairs, and my rent was only $100. And if you are, if you know anything about Alaska, everything is super duper expensive, including rent. Like rent, normal on the low end is like a thousand bucks. What? (laughs) No joke. So for me to have an apartment for $100, that was huge. But I'm like, I quit. And... So the day I was leaving to come to Ohio, um, I had packed all my bags and everything and I got evicted because I was going to be gone for three weeks and I wasn't able to take care of, of this woman who lived upstairs. And, and I remember feeling so scared I was like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have anywhere to go when I go back to Ohio. I don't have anywhere to go when I come back. Am I even supposed to come back? And so I came back to Ohio anyway, and I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my grandparents. I didn't tell my parents. Nothing. I didn't tell anybody until three days before I was supposed to leave again. Like, hey, I'm homeless again. And, you know, there's a weight that comes with having to constantly repeat to your family members, I'm homeless. I lost my place to live. I, you know, it sucked. Hmm. And there's that shame because it's like, Mallory, you're an adult. Why can't you take care of yourself? You know, why can't you just get it? And, but I had an option to stay uh, with my grandparents for the remainder of the month. But then after that, I was going to have to, have to probably go back to the shelter or I could go back to Alaska. The only thing I was banking on in Alaska was that I had a car and I decided to go back. And that was really scary The whole ride to the airport, I was terrified. Leaving my grandparents, I was terrified. (laughs) And I get to Anchorage Airport, and uh, one of my friends from Alaska, um, she was like, hey, do you need a place to live? I said, yeah, I do. (laughs) Where are you at? (laughs) And so she lived in Wasilla, her and her husband and her kids. They lived in Wasilla, which was four hours north of Soldatna. So I had to fly from Anchorage to Kenai, um, which is the city right next to Soldatna, and I had to pick up my car. Then I had to drive four hours 
north um, to Wasilla. And let me tell you, the Seward Highway (laughs) is a very dangerous road to drive. I had hardly any brakes on my car. Um, And in Alaska, you have to legally put chains on your tires. You have to have snow tires. Oh, wow. Um, and if you don't, then you can get fined. I didn't have that. I didn't have snow tires. I didn't have chains, nothing. And it was icy. <laughs> but the Lord, oh, he took care of me and drove to Wasilla, lived with them. And then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, we just bought you a plane ticket to Oregon so you can go and be with your boyfriend. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they're like, your plane leaves in 11 hours. So I, I felt like I had no choice. I had to go. Like that's an interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, at that time, I'm like, well, this is obviously from the Lord. This is just dropping in my lap, and clearly, He wants me to go to Oregon to be with Matt. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I get on a plane, and I flew to Oregon, and I stayed with Matt and his family for three weeks. And, you know, we, we were not living for Jesus um, at that time. And his grandma actually, after three weeks, she was like, you're going to the homeless shelter. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, but I ended up going. And I was terrified. I was mad at God. And, yeah, so there I am again, back in that cycle living a homeless life Hmm. and um at the homeless shelter um it was called the eugene mission and they had a women's life change program they also had a men's too but um i ended up joining the life change program it was a rehab um transitional house Uh, people who struggled with drug and alcohol addiction um, or any form of addiction could stay there. And it was a year-long program. And so I I did eight months of that, and then they asked me to leave. Um, So (laughs) I was, again, homeless. Um, So in total, that was about a year of me being at the shelter um, grounds and there was a place, um, there was a place called the bridge and it's literally a bridge. And that was where people went to get high. And if you were a woman who was not on drugs, when you went there and you were homeless, you were going to be on drugs the next day. Um, and I just remember walking the streets and saying, Lord, I know that you have better plans for me than that bridge. And I am not going there. I am done living this life. I am done being homeless. I am done. Mm. (laughs) I am done. And the next day, my grandma called and she said, hey, your grandpa and I just bought you a plane ticket home. But you need somewhere to go for a couple days until your flight. And so my friend, Amelina, (laughs) uh, she actually did the program with me. And um, her and I had a phone call chat and... Long story short, her mom came and picked me up, stayed with them until it was time for me to board the plane. And then I came home. And um, 
So Jesus and my grandparents. <laughs> Man. My Sounds like a great book. Jesus and my grandparents. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, and that was the last time. I lived with my grandparents for about three months mm. after that. And I was able to get an apartment. I got a car. Um, this my, is where, where are you at now? In this? Um, I am here back in Ohio, ben, Ohio in Dover. Okay. Yep. yep. And got a job working as a telecommunications person Hmm. and you know salesperson (laughs) and I was able to be stable for the first time and then from there I did off the wall for two years um I think yeah yeah, uh kind of kind of something I've been wanting to say ever since I said my long thing before um I I just want to make note of something real fast is that okay yeah Sorry, I'm talking a lot. No, no, this is great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm listening, and I appreciate you just pouring out your heart. Um, and there's no but for that. Okay. Um, even though I'm, I was really honorable, I think, of you just owning up a lot of decisions that you made, I do want to take note that what happened to you as a kid and things that happened to you along the way should never happen. I agree. And I don't want to just play that fiddle of, oh, she's owning her decisions, but also just, like, everything you just shared, like, I don't want people just to skip over that. Like, for people to feel that, like, the things that you just went through. That's... It makes... Please hear this in the right way. I, it, it makes me want to keep discipling these guys that come off the wall mm-hmm. so that they will walk out as godly men yeah. that love. Yeah. Because you, you should have never went through that pain that you've gone through. And, and that's not what defines you. You know that? Mm-hmm. What defines you is Jesus. Yeah, amen. You know, but it doesn't mean the pain wasn't something you had to still work through or at times still work through, you know. And so just want to see both ends on that. Just want to say, I just want to say both ends on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so, thank you. Um, so you're how old when you get to off the wall? 24. 24. Mm-hmm. Can we chat briefly about, because we're, we're at a 45-minute mark, 46 minutes. Just turned 46. I know. Isn't that crazy how the time flies? Wow. Um, so much. <laughs> I often wonder, by the way, if we're going to get to heaven and we just have these these talks about what life was and how God saved us and years go by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, a decade just went by. And we just had a conversation, <laughs> you know. Um, That's why eternity is limitless. Yeah, yeah. Just briefly, what, what, tell me about your time off the wall. It was great. Um, I was really hesitant to apply. Because, um, you know, as I shared earlier, I was connected with Off the Wall when it first started, and they've they saw me in the midst of of my non Jesus. That's when we met because yeah. your first year of Off the Wall was my first year of staff. Yeah, but remember you and I met. Well, oh, that's like, right. That's when we reconnected. I guess. Yeah, yeah, reconnected. And we knew of each other in those ten year gap because. We were kind of like, all right, Corey's here, and I'm like, all right, Mel's here. This is gonna be interesting. Here we go. You know, we not that I was, sure. not that I was your discipler, but just the just the idea of the staff and students and yeah, yeah, you know, and just yeah, 
Um, There's a little hesitancy. Yeah, there was like, what are my what are Mallory's intentions? Yeah, just <laughs> don't tick off Mal. Mal's probably thinking, don't tick off Corey, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was I was scared to apply because mm. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna get in. They're not gonna want me. Like, mm. you know, um, because before moving to Alaska, this is something uh, they were basically like do not have any contact with off the wall Hmm. because I was so toxic. And, you know, when the Lord was like, you're going to do off the wall. I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And I applied and, um, I was actually at a Bethel concert when I go back to that part about the toxic part real fast. Just like, so uh, just want, I just, I just want to clarify. So, so it was just unhealthy for you to step into off the wall world at yeah, the moment. Yeah. Right? And yeah, because and of the life looking, decisions, looking back at that now, what, what would you, would you go? Yeah, totally. Like, I would, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I a hundred percent agree with that decision. Um, just because of where my life was at, at that time, right. um, my life was toxic gotcha. and it okay. seemed like anybody that I brought in, I was a black hole and gotcha. okay. yeah. So, 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 so for, so for you to have then the confidence of going, I'm going to try this again, mm-hmm. you know, and then for them to go, you know what, come. Yeah. I had actually seen, um, Don and Travis, um, when I lived in Alaska, when I was serving at Solid Rock and I had actually asked them, Hey, can I do off the wall? And I remember Don being like, mm, maybe, and <laughs> <laughs> which is a no. And you know, well, it um, could be a maybe it's Don. You don't even know. Like, yeah, yeah. you're, you're right. I need to have him on this episode, this podcast. But yeah, you do. Right. Um, so yeah, so I did off the wall and I got accepted and my first year, man, I just grew so much. Like the Lord just totally broke down walls and yeah, it was, it was awesome. I love, I love that I got that experience for those two years. And you lived with how many girls at a time? Oh, so many. Um, my first year it was eight girls. Oh my gosh. How many bathrooms? Two. Two bathrooms, eight girls walking off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second year was? I think like seven. What would you say one thing? I mean, I know this is so hard of a question, but like one thing that you can, the first thing, how about this? The first thing that comes to your mind when you think, this is what I got out of off the wall. Oh, there's a lot. Um, Definitely understanding discipleship Mm -hmm. and learning the importance of pouring into other people's lives through the midst of being vulnerable in the midst of being honest. And just learning who I am in Christ. And so that kind of catches us up to speed even to present day now, because you're done with off the wall and yeah. you know, um, you're, you're a woman of God and, and you're on this weight loss journey as you, as mm-hmm. you shared before and mm-hmm. you're 50 pounds down in four months. Yeah. Um, and you got a photography business that you're, you're doing food, like you're mm-hmm. taking pictures of food and, and your heart is for women's ministry, right? Yes, like helping yes. women yeah. and you like, and discipling them and want, want to pour into them. Mm-hmm. And, and so God's doing some things in your life even right now. And I'm now like, when you, when you hear yourself tell that story, what do you think? Redemption and freedom and just broken chains, you know? And uh, it's definitely hard. It's hard to talk about, you know, um, I don't think it'll ever be easy to share my story right? because it's heavy stuff. But I look at the life that Jesus lived and just him alone going to the cross was heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. And 
every day. <laughs> every day I'm reminded of where I was. And I pray and I trust that God will never allow me to go back there. Hmm. You know, and because he died for that. He died for me. He died for everyone. And so if I can just help one person mm-hmm. understand that and understand the freedom that comes with knowing the Lord, like the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. And so, yeah. What would you say to all the people, anyone's listening that, that would play the part in helping you out? The Jills, the Tinas, the, the Coras, mm-hmm. the, I feel like there was other, I feel like there's probably so many yeah. people that have come alongside you. Terry Johnson mm-hmm. uh, comes to mind. Um, so many people that have in some way poured into you, helped so you, There's pointed so you to Jesus. Um, yeah. what, what would you say to all them if they're, if they're listening, if they're not listening, I don't know. But what, what would you just, what comes to heart when you think about those people? Man, I have a whole encyclopedia volume of people. <laughs> um, thank you. You know, um, it's something I uh, constantly talk to with my friend Jill um, all the time. Um, but it goes for anyone, like the fact that they were willing to stick with me through the midst of the deceit, the midst of the lying, the midst of the constant manipulation and the back and forth, man, (laughs) I'm sure it felt like talking to a brick wall thinking this girl is hopeless and helpless, Mm. but I know that they prayed for me all the time and they loved me at my darkest hour and I wish I could take back some things but I also I also am thankful for for them because they are a part of the journey they are the reason why I love Jesus Hmm. you know from the very first person to ever introduce me to Christ they are the reason that I'm alive. They are the reason that I'm following and chasing after Jesus hardcore. Well, I kind of want to wrap things up real fast, but um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming and talking yeah. about these hard things. You know, I love this podcast because I want really hard, real stories. I mean, we can talk about topics all day long mm-hmm. about things, mm-hmm. and but I really think at the heart of this podcast are stories, God yeah. Yeah. changing stories. And, um, I just appreciate you coming in, talking about this. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to relive, think through, talk these things through. And, and I know you were really kind of nervous walking into it and, and just um, and just how you've just given God glory through it all is, is, is inspiring. And how and maybe even confusing to my, maybe <laughs> listeners, thinking like, how in the world is she so joyful in Jesus when all this happened? You know, and um, and I just, I just think you know, you, you're going to, you are, and I just I can't wait to see. I just can't wait to see what God is next. Thank I think you. that's what I want to say. I want to make it more creative, but I think <laughs> I think that that alone is 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 good to say. Yeah, I can't I wait to see what God. Is. As yeah. you, we're all cheering for you as you keep on this journey. And um, remember, you're not alone, and you have people around you that love you and care for you. And um, you're my sis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're my bro. You know, and um, what last thing? I want you to end it. Real quick, real fast, to the point. Give a charge. Maybe there's a girl that's listening to this right now who's 
who's been through sexual abuse, um, who's, I don't know if they're homeless. I don't know. I don't know what their situation is. I just know that they're in deep pain. They're in deep pain right now. And they're listening to your story. And then, and then it's not even really, it, yes, it's your story, but it's God's story. Like of, yeah. of how he has been with you even through the beginning of it all. Mm. What would you say to that girl listening or, or to the guy, whoever, mm-hmm. to that person listening that's in a, just a dark, deep place going, I don't, I don't know what to do. Maybe they're sitting on their pew. Maybe they're sitting on their couch. Maybe they're sitting on that bench, whatever. What would you say to them? I would just say the one thing that the Lord constantly tells me is, sweet girl, you are loved more than you will ever know. And he died for you. And he wants He wants to save you. He wants to bring freedom and reconciliation into your life. And he wants to redeem those hurts. And... He can heal, and nothing is impossible with God. And, yeah, sweet girl, I got you, is what the Lord constantly says. And it goes for anybody, you know, so. Thank you for listening to another episode of Step Up to the Mic podcast. Feel free to reach out to me for any questions or feedback. Hope to hear from you soon.